Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining Tom and myself again. Uh, We are very excited uh, to finally meet Richard Harris, and uh, he is the founder and director of the Pathfinder System, which is a a system, actually, Tom, that uh, concentrates on getting the right career, and then from there on, uh, moving and uh, setting their path. So thank you so much, Richard, for uh, coming and uh, being on our uh, podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, What we always start off is we want to know, the audience wants to know who you are, what you do, and uh, what was your aha moment? Because I know uh, that you have a very different uh, background and uh, how you wound up doing this is phenomenal because it helps our parents, and not only our parents, but our students to know that, you know, there's many different paths that we all go down. So um, it's all about you, Richard. Go ahead. I love how you said different path, because that's exactly how I would explain it to I tell people I come from a strange background. <laughs> so I'm from uh, California, born and raised in Silicon Valley. The internet became a thing when I was in middle school. Uh, so I saw lots of different people who were making it big in their backyards and their garages in the middle of nowhere. And it inspired me to think differently as a kid. And so eventually graduated, went to college in Walla Walla, Washington, played college basketball at Whitman College. Um, Thought I wanted to be a stockbroker for a while. That didn't work. I played basketball. I ended up coaching college basketball for a while. Thought I wanted to make that a career. Didn't, up, didn't end up doing that. And so I became a middle school gym teacher for about five years after college. Like, how do you go from econ to gym teacher? Like, that's hard to do, right? Yeah. Uh, but did that for a few years. And then one of the counselors at the school that I worked at on the high school side, he ended up leaving to another school. And because it was a K-12 school that I worked at, they said, hey, Richard, you know a lot of the middle school students. Why don't we make you a counselor? I said, okay, it sounds like fun. And eventually had to learn a lot about uh, college admissions, how students should get into colleges, the specific things they should do, 
how to stand out, how to network with colleges. And so I got a chance to meet lots of different college representatives, got to learn the differences between different schools across the country. And it was a lot of fun for me. But my mom took a head of school job um, in Minnesota, believe it or not. It's another weird thing. Like, how do you go from California to Minnesota? But we did in uh, 2010. So I led the college recruiting or a college admissions team um, or college counseling team, I should say, at a school in Minnesota for a little while and still did the same thing of helping students transition from high school to college. And one of the families that I worked with, um, he recognized that I knew colleges really, really well, and he wanted me to come into their company to help them recruit college students into the company. So I literally went from a school of 450 students to a company of 73,000, like <laughs> overnight, and uh, was blessed with the opportunity to lead how they recruited students into the first jobs and internships and things like that. Good, good. And so what was your aha moment? Like when you find, I know you, you sometimes we feel like we actually stumble into things, but what made you like say, oh, I'm going to make that jump from education, if you will, to corporate and then back into education? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was talking with my team. I had a team of 23 recruiters who were all around the country. And at one point we were talking about our own career journeys. And one of them said, Richard, you keep saying it sounds weird that you went from middle school gym teacher to counselor to corporate, but there's a string that holds it all together. And I kind of said, what do you mean, Nicole? And she said, well, the string that holds it together is helping people go from where they are to where they want to be. You've done that in every single place and where you were. And so to me, the aha moment was that comment, I think. Mm -hmm. And what I tell young people oftentimes is it's not about choosing the one thing to do for the rest of your life when you're 16 or 17 or even 22. It's about understanding that string, that natural ability that you have that can be utilized in multiple areas. That's perfect. That is a perfect aha moment. In your book, uh, Richard, you talk a lot about uh, the right major. And uh, why is the major choice more important than the college attendant? I know you spend some time in your book about that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I think when I first started as a counselor, I went to lots of conferences, talked to lots of people, of course, worked with lots of families. And the assumption from many high school students, their parents, where if I go to a brand name school that everyone has heard of before, that'll give me a better chance of getting a job, landing an internship. After all, companies care about stuff like that, right? right. And what I found was being on the other side of the house where I recruited students into their first jobs, I can tell you unequivocally, I turned down many students from very prestigious colleges and selected students from larger public institutions quite frequently. And what we found or what I found was the managers who hired lots of college students were oftentimes looking for a specific skill. When I was at my first corporate job recruiting students, there was a saying that we used to always say was, um, it's easier to get into a prestigious college, even an Ivy League school, than it was for a student to get an internship at our company hmm. by the numbers. Hmm. 
incredibly, incredibly difficult. And so what ended up happening was because we didn't have a lot of time to train students, looking at their major, looking at the skills they acquired while they were in college actually made a huge difference in choosing one student over another student. Hmm. So that's one reason. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, you know, with the students that we talk to, um, we see it all the time. And in your book, again, you talk about the, quote, duel between students and the college system. There's a duel going on there. What, what is that all about? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I thought long and hard about how to phrase that in the book in the best way. And I want to be really clear about this. I believe the colleges really do care deeply about their students. They care about the progression. They care about them landing jobs. What I say in the book is the individuals who work at the colleges aren't always incentivized to do the exact same things that parents and students want. So for example, the average student will tell you, the average parent will say, I want my kid to go to college or students say, I wanna to go to college to give myself a better chance of getting a solid job, doing something that I love. And yet on the college side, when you look at the, how they're incentivized across the board, it's not always that professors and administrators are incentivized to produce that in result. So the dual is parents and students are sometimes wanting one thing, colleges are being incentivized for another thing. And so as a result, we're speaking different languages sometimes. All right. Communication, that's what it's all about, I guess. But um, the other thing you mentioned in your book is the EAR method. Uh, you spend a lot, quite a bit of time speaking about that. How, how does that work? How, why is that important? Yeah, so it's really important because I have a passion for helping students to make smart decisions that help propel them through their life. So whether they're trying to find the right internship, the right job, we have a problem within our society right now where there are so many adults who are going through life and dreading what they do. And I contend the biggest reason why adults do that is because when it mattered the most, they didn't know what questions to ask. They didn't know specifically what their innate abilities were, and they didn't really know how to narrow their options down to the best choices. And so what the average student today does is they go through the system, trusting that the system is gonna give them what they need. In some cases, it works beautifully. But we're starting to see in many cases, it's not. Even when I started to promote my book, I got a lot of comments from parents who jumped in to say, Richard, where were you back in 1977? <laughs> Why didn't I have you back when I was in high school? And you're seeing a lot of adults who are saying that right now. And so from my perspective, what I did was created a system that helps students to go from unsure to confident. And I use those two words because those are the two words that students tell me that they feel as they are reading the book or before joining my program. They'll say, Richard, I feel unsure. And then I ask them, how would you like to feel? And they often say, I wanna feel confident in my future. So the three steps, the ear method, takes them from unsure to confident. And I can walk through the steps if that's okay. Sure. Sure, okay. So the first step is the envision phase, E. Students have to get a real clear picture of what they want for their future and what they want their finish line to look like or where their finish line is. So for example, if you were a marathon runner, 
imagine running a marathon and never knowing where the finish line was. Yeah, you're, you know, running really fast, you're working really hard, but not having a finish line that you know when you're done makes all the work more challenging. And so a lot of students are doing lots of things because they're told to do lots of things, never really articulating, why am I doing this? So the first step is really articulating what their finish line is, how they would define success. And this is really important because when students can really identify what their success measure is themselves, motivation isn't a challenge and it helps them make better decisions in the future. Right. I, I, I can uh, appreciate that uh, comment you made earlier about I wish I met you 10 years ago. I, I wish I had a nickel for everybody who told me that <laughs> when, when we do our presentations, you know, and uh, it's always the same thing. I wish I, I knew that, uh, you know, now or back then what I know now, right. but um, how do parents actually uh, get involved to help the students envision their, their end goal? Yeah, so I have a, a few questions within the book that I think that any student should really think deeply about before making big decisions for their future. So one of my favorite questions is, imagine today's graduation day, you're just about to walk across the aisle to grab your diploma and life's exactly the way you want it to be. In that specific moment, if life's exactly the way you want it to be, what would make you excited in that scenario? In other words, what do you want to have happen by the time you graduate from college? And I find that when students, even when they're juniors in high school or sophomores in high school, when they're projecting seven years out, some people believe, Richard, should we really ask students to think about their future that far in advance? I contend yes. And I think there's a way of doing it without putting too much pressure on students. But when they can think six, seven years out in terms of what do I want my life to look like? Some students say, Richard, I want a solid job that allows me to be independent, separate from my parents, doing something that I deeply care about. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, if that's your finish line, great. Let's find the opportunity that's the shortest distance between where you are and that finish line to get you there. I know you have plenty of stories because I saw a few in your book and, and we have some stories too that I'm not going to go into detail, but you know, at a college fair, we once met a young lady who wanted to be a pediatrician and we said, oh, that's great. Uh, you know, why do you want to be a pediatrician? Well, and her answer was because I love to babysit, you know? And uh, I said, well, do, do you like your science courses? No, I hate science. So she's, you know, wants to be a yeah. pediatrician for those, <laughs> for those reasons. And I know you had a story in your book about someone who took a test and um, the end result was that he was going to be a sign holder or something or, or a fisherman or something <laughs> of that nature. You know, we all, I'm sure you have a lot of those stories, but, you know, and, and it just proves how important it is to, you know, do a deep dive right. into uh, with the proper assessment and not just a, a you know, a five minute assessment that tells you you're a people person or a green or a red or whatever and, and goes into some, you know, detail. As far as, you know, career focused uh, questions that parents should ask colleges, you, you get into that as, as well. So what should the parents be asking the colleges when they get to that point? That's a great question. Can I finish the ear method? I, I know sure. you asked a little bit a second ago about, about that. Sure. Yeah. So after the envision phase, you brought up a really good point about the assessments. And I do think there's a huge difference between self-assessments and objective assessments. And so what I talk about in the book 
is the Highlands Ability Battery, which in my opinion is the best objective assessment because the story I tell the students oftentimes is if you can imagine waking up thinking you look really, really good before walking out the front door, sometimes the way we believe ourselves to be isn't reality, right? So that same person who wakes up, thinks he or she looks good, stands in front of the mirror, and the mirror has an objective way of telling us exactly what we do look like. Oftentimes, students, when they're taking assessments, they're taking an assessment and ask, answering questions based on what they think about themselves, not based on what reality is. So what the Highlands Ability Battery does, it really does a phenomenal job of highlighting a person's innate abilities. And those innate abilities are translated to real world tasks that are done in a variety of jobs that allow for students to get a list of all the things that really do make the most sense based on what they do well. Mm-hmm. And then the R part of your uh, ear? Yes, and the R part is the refined phase. So we have envision, assess, the last is refine, and this is where students take all their potential opportunities, whether that's 10 or 15 or 20 different career or major options, and refine it down in using something that I call the decision generator, which is kind of a decision matrix, so to speak, mm-hmm. where students first get clear on the criteria or what they really want out of their ideal job or ideal college. And then they list the different options that they have and they rank every single option on a scale of one to five. And then each option that they're selecting, whether that be a college or a major, gets an actual score on the bottom that helps students to sit back and look objectively at their decisions and not just solely rely on their gut. That's that's so important. That metacognition piece that you know that you're putting together that the student actually uh, looks inside themselves and 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 is able to express who they are and what makes them go and and that's something that we all not only students but people need to to do. Uh, many of us, as you know, go through life not really knowing who we are, and um, you know I think that's important, especially. You know, I'm, I'm a retired gifted educator, and that was one of the things that I always wanted my students to know, that they need to know who they are, why they're doing it, what, they, what their uh, strengths and weaknesses and stress points are. So metacognition is, is a, a centerpiece for any education. So that's why we were excited uh, when, you, you know, we found you, and we thought this is a guy that really knows what he's talking about and not just kind of creating a, um, a program around, you know, pseudo science, if you will, you know what you're doing, you know the reasoning, and you know what makes students tick. And that's so important. You have the background that, that really gives you that credibility. So yes, I think that's wonderful. So what was the biggest challenge that you had when you entered your business, your, um, you know, your, you developed your program? What was the biggest challenge that you had? Wonderful question. I think the biggest challenge is potentially getting the word out to the right people. And so for me, um, and my wife will be the first one to tell you, I am a big dreamer. Um, I, I like for people to have information. I'm wired like that. And so for me, as an entrepreneur, I love coming in and I'm not maybe a natural entrepreneur where I sold, you know, lemonade at the age of seven, 
Um, I'm kind of, you know, the entrepreneur that sees the problem and wants to fix it, especially around social issues. And so to me, I think the biggest challenge and problem that really keeps me up is when I talk to adults, when I talk to young adults who say, I am walking through this life aimlessly. Mm -hmm. I have no direction mm -hmm. and I don't know where to go, who to talk to. And what really um, challenges me is many of these people spent tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to figure this out and still haven't done it. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest challenge for me is how to turn my, what I call holy discontent is something I'm really discontent about. And how do I find a way to really get the word out in the best way possible? So this is the reason why I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. so the book went out on April 20th of 2021, just a few months ago. <laughs> and in just a few weeks, as I mentioned earlier, before the show started here, um, nearly 4,000 people have purchased the book. Um, so I've been pleased that the word has gotten out about the method mm -hmm. and what students and parents should think about. Mm -hmm. um, but I say the biggest challenge is getting the word out so that more people could access it. Mm -hmm. What is your um, ideal um, client? What, is, what does that look like? I mean, you know, obviously we can't be everything to everybody. So if you were kind of saying your demographic or who do you, who do you really want to, to go out there and touch? So generally speaking, I work with students who are about the age of 15 to about 24. Now that said, um, there's a caveat to it. In fact, just this morning, I got an email from a dad who said, Richard, I even read your book. I read it for my daughter, but I, then I ended up rereading it for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And can I go through your process as well? Mm -hmm. So in some cases, parents end up um, signing up for the process as well. But generally, these are 15 to 24, either thinking about college or maybe just ended and left college and are still unsure and want to have some kind of confidence and some kind of proven roadmap that takes them to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's uh, something that, you know, we, we also believe yeah. very strongly in is, and that's, that's something, as you said, it, it touches your heart when you realize that even as adults, many of us have no idea uh, where they're going and why they're doing it and, and what their purpose is, you know, what is your purpose? Uh, you know, we all need to have that in front of us. And the path will take us different places. But as long as you have your purpose and your and your why and your who are you, you'll be okay. Because the path, you'll always go back to the, to the right path. Um, what was the most rewarding uh, ex experience or a moment that you had working with a student? Um, you know, that usually as teachers and as educators, there's always somebody who stands out, who we just go, oh, if, you know, at least I, I really made a difference in this student's life. Do you have one of those stories? I have too many to count. And so I'm <laughs> going to give you more of a recent one. So I'm working with a student now. She's just about getting done. But with the first step of the process, the envision phase, when she went in and started answering questions. And part of what I do is get them to answer the questions and I sit with them via Zoom and kind of modify some of their responses to make sure what they're saying is truly what their end goal is. And so as she was talking me through her responses, she broke down 
in tears on multiple, multiple occasions. And she's a student who actually left high school, went to community college, had a couple part-time jobs, and is trying to get back into college and is still just struggling. And I mean, the, the tears came very, very quickly and you can tell she had been just struggling trying to put the pieces together. But as, as I say in my book, there are too many people who are trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, but never have a picture of what the box looks like. Right. And so she fit that category perfectly. And so in tears, um, she really just did not have a clue. But getting it down on paper, said Richard, for the first time, mm -hmm. I actually can see something that I can aspire to be. And then taking her assessment after that, when it really just highlighted some of the things she thought she knew of herself, but couldn't articulate, or other brand new things that she was like, whoa, Richard, you kidding me? Like, I really do this well? I was like, yes, you do. And so we were able to put the pieces together and she's just about done with the process now. And to see the light bulb go off, um, for me, it helps me to sleep at night and it gets me excited when I wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's those little things that really uh, float our boat, if you will, you know, that we all have. Uh, right. We have a, a student who was not a student, but was a 50-year-old woman who was teaching, was not successful in teaching. And, uh, you know, went through our assessment, if you will. And it just, she just shouldn't be in teaching. And unfortunately, you know, as, a, and I'm sure you know this, where people just will not accept that you know, you give them the knowledge, you give them the pieces, you give them the picture, but they also have to want to do the hard work that comes with it. And to me, you know, that is that's a real heartbreak when you do that. This picture just will never be what it should be. She's just, you know, she's lost. Mm -hmm. And that was a, you know, that's a real heartbreak. And hopefully, at some day, she will come to uh, realize that she has wonderful pieces to put together, a gorgeous picture that has to be created. And uh, instead of fooling around with mediocrity and unhappiness, you know, she really needs to uh, kind of put it together and yeah. do the work. As you know, with your your uh, students, you got to do the work. You know, we can uh, only do so much, you know, as an educator, you know that. Um, right. How do you stay current in your business? You know, the business is always changing education, college admissions. This this year has been uh, craziness. Uh, cancellations, you know, uh, visitations are kind of all, you know, uh, craziness. Um, how do you stay current? What are the, one of the things that you do? Like I mentioned before the podcast uh, episode here, I'm one of the biggest introverts in the world, but the one area I'm not an introvert in is connecting with people who are in industry to really understand what they do and why. So I'm even on a nonprofit board where we supply or provide um, thousands of dollars to underserved students in the Twin Cities, Minnesota area who are thinking about attending colleges in the local region. And so with that partnership or my board participation, I've been able to connect with lots of different individuals across the country who are helping me to understand what the landscape is, what challenges might exist. And I would say the biggest challenge that I see is the world of education does not speak very well with the real world nearly as much <laughs> and back and forth. Mm -hmm. So I'm not laying blame on one side, 
But what I would say is increase communication in terms of what really is the case. So for example, a lot of parents or even uh, teachers or counselors will see the book somewhere and will read the description. And the thought is, they'll say, Richard, should students really be thinking about their future? Like if they think about their future, you're just adding more pressure to them. Let them figure life out on their own. Mm -hmm. And I understand that philosophy, philosophy deeply because as a former counselor, I used to have students come in in my office and really were tearing their hair out because they couldn't make a decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just like we tell the average person to plan for their financial future without pressuring them, I think we can help students plan for their future without pressuring them, giving them advice, giving them feedback, but more importantly to what you said earlier, by really helping them lead the process themselves. Mm -hmm. What I find is that students really struggle the most when they don't have access to the information and when they feel like they should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think your key word is networking and communication, as Tom had uh, mentioned right. before. Right. Yes. Now, uh, in addition to your EAR method, at the end of your book, you talk about another uh, numerical matrix that you work with to pick the best college uh, for the students. You have a numerical system, and it, and it comes out to the, you know, what is the best college to go to? Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so that's a version of the refine phase. So... With the EAR method, that's generally for choosing the right field of study. But within the R, there are two different decision generators that I use. One of them is for choosing a major. So I talked earlier about how students can rank their options and score every single option within a spreadsheet. What you're mentioning is the college decision matrix where students can do the same thing. They can list the criteria that they're thinking about, whether it be school size, they're in the top 25%, um, location, other things that students tell me are important. They can list those criteria, most important down to least. They can then list their different colleges. And then within the spreadsheet, they can rank every single school. So if they're choosing between school A, school B, and school C, instead of guessing, School A, School B, School C will have a numerical number attached to it that helps them to make the best decision. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Well, that's a great way to do it. I mean, uh, you know, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it because, you know, emotions uh, can, can make uh, the, the wrong decision. So if you see the numbers and how it works out and, you know, guide you into the right school and the right majors. So, you know, you're doing the whole nine yards for, the, mm -hmm. for your clients which is great. As, as we come to a close here, is there anything else you'd like to talk about that we have not touched on? I think we touched on a lot today for sure. <laughs> and if, for me, what, what I would say is I care, um, maybe I'm a bad entrepreneur or business person saying this, but I care less about working with clients on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, I love that part, but I, what I really care about is ensuring that more people truly understand how to plan, the importance of planning, and the fact that there are simple tools and steps out there that students can take so that they're not spending money in a way that they look back when they're 40 or 50 or 60 saying, you know what, why did I do what I did? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. right. So, and that, and that leads to those numbers of, you know, 60% of the population uh, is, is unhappy with their job or 
people leave, uh, lead lives of quiet desperation. You know, that's an oldie but a goodie. But, uh, you know, it was great talking to you. A lot of great information here. Great. We really appreciate you uh, sharing this time with us. And if someone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, if they want to take a look at the book, they can go to thepathfindersystem.com is the easiest way. And then my email address direct, richard at thepathfindersystem.com is the best place to. Right. And you do have, the book is an audio book. So those of us who like to uh, listen and drive, that is a perfect piece. And it goes perfectly if you have the written and the audio, because you get the graphs and the diagrams in the book that obviously you can't get in an audio book. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening uh, to Richard, the Pathfinder System. Um, hopefully you picked up some pearls of wisdom. I know Tom and I did. And uh, we will see you at our next episode. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Bye-bye.